Hello and welcome to the Side Hustle Success Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Haunt, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kevin Taylor. This is a show for anyone that has a product or business idea and wants to go full-time on it eventually, or maybe you already have. This is a show about product design, entrepreneurs, freelancers, contractors, free agents, digital nomads, and anything in between. In this episode, we're going to talk about self-motivation. Are you feeling motivated, Kevin? Not really, but I'll try and, try and keep oh. it upbeat for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good start. Yeah, yeah. No, just ignore me. Yeah. Have you been doing? Yeah, yeah, good uh, good thanks. Yeah, we we're sort of like working on, as always, new 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 calculator tools. We're doing a, a timber stud wall calculator, which is sort of a follow-on from the, the timber post calculator, something You are literally knocking out a new one every two weeks. Yeah, I know we're on we're on fire actually, we're on fire. Um but um yeah, I think once we once we've done that pretty much wrapped up the timber calculator stuff that which is for the UK market. Um and then we obviously got to think about what we do next. So I think we might be looking at doing sort of customer surveys, trying trying to prioritise our sort of future work. Um, I'm also sort of reading a book at the moment by Basecamp called Shape Up, which kind of is there, sort of outlines there. I've not read it yet, so it's it's on my to do list. I don't think it's okay. on. It's not just on that website. It's not been. Oh, is it not? Is it not on Amazon? Yeah, it's just a PDF. You can get it on. It's not. It's not. It's not, a, it's not a pair of women's shape up trainers. No, it? no, that's okay. something else completely. Different. Should we close Amazon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's not. It's not a paid product. Yeah, I think that if you go, to, if you put shape up base camp or something, it'll probably come up on. And it's just a PDF. Okay. But I think they probably will launch it as a paid product eventually. Um, but um, yeah, I'm just trying to read to work out. But that outlines the process of how they they do like six week not sprint six week bets. I think they call it, or they have a strange terminology. But I mean, okay. to be fair, some some of their stuff's probably specific to their team and their product where props wouldn't apply to us with you know we're a two-person team doing doing it differently so it's probably probably not as complex what we're doing you know having to manage big teams and and etc you know and really complex things you know and um, obviously i want to sort of have some kind of process that we follow as we go forward in terms of developing new stuff and prioritizing future stuff and and how we go about sort of shaping up projects you know I'll put a link to that in the show notes. That yeah, sounds, yeah, that, do, sounds, yeah. that sounds pretty interesting. Yeah, it could be interesting. So what have you been up to then, Steve? Uh, so doing all the planning for my next Pluralsight course, which I'm hoping to have out by the end of November. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's when the deadline is anyway. So I've kind of got everything planned out for the rest of the year. So I'm doing this new course, which is on stakeholder management. Sounds okay. Thr- yeah. I know it sounds thrilling, but... No, it sounds, yeah. Uh, so I'm doing that, and then I'm going to redo my very first course, which I ever did. Which is going to sort of take me up to the end of the year, New Year. So you pretty much worked out a schedule of, like, how do you, um, you know, so I was saying, I think everybody has this problem of, you know, there's obviously so many different things you could be working on. How do you prioritize, or of all the different things that you could be working on, how do you prioritize your workload, you know? Uh, so, plural site at the moment kind of takes priority over everything because that's the one that pays. Yeah. Basically, pays for everything at the minute. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, I mean, with courses on that, I'm kind of helping Pluralsight build out a lot of their professional development courses at the minute. Uh, so a lot of the courses I've been doing recently, I haven't actually necessarily suggested myself. So they've kind of got a list of stuff that they need to do oh, so to, to fill they, out certain learning parts. So they're helping you determine what, what it is that they need? or Yeah, and the reason I'm doing that, I mean, I've done a lot of technical courses as well, but technical courses are much harder to build, whereas these professional development ones are kind of easier to build whilst I'm working on other things at the same time. Uh, okay, yeah. So whilst I'm trying to write this book, I can sort of keep you know feeding courses into the Pluralsight machine mm. relatively easy whilst also working on the book at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Whereas if I was doing a big all-encompassing technical course, that kind of requires me to 100% focus on it. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, it might dictate what you, what it is that you work on then. 
but in terms of the book I'm working on part two it's probably 85% at first draft stage ah cool yeah yeah. first draft basically means you've written it but you're embarrassed by it (laughs) fair enough (laughs) and then then it'll go to second draft and then I'll do a final review and then it'll go off to an editor to to make it sound good so do you I think you have a schedule then do you of your you know I don't know you probably know so far in advance what you've got lined up then or yeah pretty much I mean my rough schedule for the book is to have all of it either edited or in editing by the end of the year oh, okay. and then I'll start all the pre-launch activities in January do you sort of like know like six months in advance what you're going to be working on does it not work like that or uh, three months or so I mean a couple of months the book's been in planning and writing for about a year and a half so it'll be about two years by the time it comes out yeah but I've, but I've not been working on it full time yeah I think we've I think we've got a rough idea what we're going to do till till the end of the year courses I try and do one a quarter effectively so four of the larger scale courses a year I think is a, a healthy cadence is it yeah is that what you try and work to is it yeah that's, that's what I'm aiming to yeah. Like that, yeah and plus I've been looking at I've been doing some short courses for Skillshare as well but they're just kind of ad hoc I do them as and when mm. Um, so what else have we got going on? Mid-October, I'm not sure when this episode comes out, but I looked at the date, but uh, so it may have already happened, but mid-October, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to Sweden just for a few days, a place called Orasund, which okay. is about an hour's flight from Stockholm. So I'm going out there, it's a it's a conference, but it's a kind of a private-ish conference, so it's, it's a, there's a large company out there called CGI, and they're trying to promote Orasund as a great place for running technical businesses. Okay. So they're hosting this like small conference and they're inviting other companies to come in and participate to try and promote the area as a as a good place to run a business. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I'm going out there to I'm doing a talk and a half day workshop, which is oh, nice. Okay, yeah. And getting home from there is gonna be fun. Is but, it why is it not? Well to go out there, I'm flying from Manchester to Stockholm and then Stockholm to Urasant, it's kinda, of, you know, there's a, a split in the middle. But to get back I've got to go Urasant, Stockholm, Stockholm, Copenhagen, Copenhagen. <laughs> Uh, Manchester and I couldn't get any direct flights oh, I okay, back, yeah, which is yeah. too many flights too many airports but it's fine there's a really nice Irish bar in Copenhagen airport so is I'll, that, I'll oh, just yeah. camp there for a few hours yeah you'll be happy I think uh, the only other thing I'm doing is I'm drafting a new talk called Building Fantasy Worlds in Code oh, okay yeah yeah. so any of our long term listeners will know that I was building this kind of text adventure role playing game kind of side project thing yeah you're doing something you? is it something you're going to do sort of in December when it's quieter or as a side so the, I'm actually or? delivering the talk at my user group that I run in November so they're the guinea pigs for the talk so I okay, yeah. So oh. I need to have it written by then and I'll try it out on them and I've got two or three other user groups planned over the next three months where I'm actually going to deliver the same talk yeah. and then I'm hoping to push it out to conferences is this something you're thinking of like building a product off or, or, or some kind uh, of training course or the code I've written for the adventure system makes very good uh, sample code for training. So I can kind of monetize it in that respect, but it's a, a more interesting use case to look at than your standard like yeah, business product application. Yeah. So it's less yeah. dry. So I can make money off of it via that way. Um, the talk itself is a free talk, but that helps contribute towards my MVP award. Ah, okay, yeah. Which is good. There's a few apps I want to build off the game engine. Um, more as an intellectual exercise to build the apps more than anything I don't actually think they'd actually sell that many because yeah. it's, it's quite a niche niche thing but it's more of a bit of fun yeah I think you have to have these things because it gets a bit boring if you just do 
you know, you've got to have I class it as a hobby sell. project, not a product. It's a side hustle, isn't it? <laughs> side it yeah, it's, it, I'm not going to make any serious money off of it, mm. to be fair. It's more intellectual curiosity. Yeah, no, it's good to, good to do. It keeps you fresh, doesn't it? Like, it I think it's it's, it's suitably complex enough that it, it keeps me interested, if that yeah. makes sense. But yeah, that's it, really. Kind of more of the same with, with, with the book and courses. Okay. So, cool. Yeah, okay. More the same. Uh, so our questions this week we have two. So first one's from Heather. So I'm working on a side hustle whilst employed, but I find I get burnt out quickly and it affects my motivation. Do either of you have that problem? So do you ever uh, get burnt out and overwhelmed? Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You can do. I think it can. Sometimes it's good to perhaps just take a bit of a break. You know, if you can. I think sometimes it's hard. If it wasn't too bad when I worked somewhere, my my day job wasn't really that demanding you know so it was I think I had the energy at the time it was before I had children as well so I think it was easier um, to work on my side hustle at that point in my life you know and I didn't really feel burnt out from it um, but I can imagine if you have a really intense job and you have quite a heavy side hustle it could that could be a problem couldn't it it could be overwhelming couldn't it yeah but I, m- I remember one time so it's when I was working at the startup so that was the last full-time company I worked at um, I had a deadline for a course. Um, I'd made progress on the course, like quite good progress, but we had this one period where over two weeks we were trying to get this product launched at the company and everything that you can imagine to go wrong went wrong. Mm. It was an absolute disaster show, which meant I had to kind of completely focus on that, which meant my course was late. So I started getting a bit stressful about that, but frankly, people started like brilliantly. I just explained the situation and, yeah. Like, oh yeah, have, have an extra month. So, and, But these days, I mean, Sometimes I'll come into the office and I'll sit down at the computer and I'm just like, it's just not happening. Yeah, I just, I just I think, can't get into any kind of groove and I'll just take the rest of the day off at that point. Yeah, I think sometimes you can get, I think sometimes sometimes you're burnt out when you feel like you're not making any progress or you feel like what you're doing is not meaningful or, or things like that. So sometimes it, if it has purpose and it feels like you're doing valuable work, it, it feels better, doesn't it? It does, but if, even sometimes if I'm doing valuable good work, sometimes you just can't get into the zone. Yeah, it, I is, find. it is hard. I think sometimes you do feel burnout, perhaps sometimes just take a break, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's exactly the thing, but I've learned not to fight it. If, if I'm having days like that, which don't happen that often, to be fair, I'll either go for a walk or I'll just do something else. Yeah, just take a break, um, yeah, and then come back to it. You always, you always tend to find that if you have a break and then you come back, you always come back fresh and more invigorated and more willing to take on whatever it is that you're working on. Yeah, I mean, when I was full-time employed, and I was trying to work on you know my side hustle, I'll be thinking about it all the time. Even if I went on holiday, I'll be thinking about my side yeah. gig. Because I, I felt like that was the only time that I could really think about it. Mm, I think that's where you can get burnt out, where you're just constantly on the You can get mentally burnt yeah. out, yeah, absolutely. But now, I mean, if I go on holiday now, I don't really think about work at all, because I don't need to. Because I'm working on the things that I enjoy. I do it full time. So if I'm now having sort of wind down time on holiday, I don't need to think about it anymore. Yeah, I which try. Is, which is really liberating. And, I'm trying to be more disciplined with it. I'm not not great, but I'm, I'm better than I was, you know, because I have like times where I switch off the computers in an evening or on a, I do like an internet free Sunday and things like that to try and avoid burnout, you know. Because otherwise, because the problem is with technology now, you're constantly on the go, aren't you? And you have access sort of 24-7, don't you, to, yeah. to your emails or whatever it is, you know. Um, so you, you can get a bit burnt out from it. I think you've got to kind of limit the damage, haven't you? And perhaps be prepared to take a step away from it, you know. But to go back to Heather's point, I mean, if you're feeling overwhelmed and you're, or it's affecting your motivation on your side hustle, then just put it down for a little bit. 
yeah. it's a side hustle. Yeah, it's not your main exactly. income. Yeah, just 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 take a break. Perhaps it's hard. Really, I think that sometimes you probably get in that in between phase. Between I think it's. I remember when I, when I sort of left my full time job, I got a, I worked three days a week, and then the other day I was sort of was in there like four days a week doing main stuff, and I did. It, it is kind of. It, it, but I only did it for six months. I think if I'd done that for years, that would have been. I would have been completely burnt out. I think from it, you know. So I think you do have to be careful. It's sometimes that in between. You're going to reach a point where your side hustle is going to build up, but then you've still got your full-time job. But hopefully that's just a temporary scenario, you know. So hopefully you can kind of plan for that, can't you? Or I think that's the most terrifying bit. Yeah. When you get to that point where you think, actually, realistically, I could leave my job and do this. Yeah. But I'm also earning this really good salary at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So if you're earning, say, I don't know, 50 grand a year, 50,000 pounds a year, what's that in dollars, is that 75, 80,000? Yeah, yeah, something like that, I for, guess. For example. Now, if you're earning that by doing your day job and say you're earning $60,000 or £45,000, whatever, I'm yeah. rubbish at currency conversions, doing your side hustle, I think you have this really difficult dilemma at that point because you're basically saying, I'm going to drop this $80,000 yeah. salary in the hope, in the best, that I can actually <laughs> make that up in the future. That's terrifying. That's scared the me when I to make that yeah, I think I think it is terrifying. I think there's things you can do to limit damage, like you said. Like I think I mentioned previous episodes about getting financially fit and having some runway and things mm. that you can do to limit the damage. It also helped at the time I had a partner um, that worked, you know, so that helps, you know, as well. Things like that can sort of limit. Yeah, I mean, my wife works, but it was a it was a difficult difficult conversation with my wife, who's very risk adverse. Yeah, yeah. Saying I'm well. I'm going to drop this really good salary that I'm on. <laughs> And, and I think do, do this thing, I which think is sometimes you're at a disadvantage if you're on a really good salary. It probably it's probably almost demotivating, isn't it? Having a really good salary, you know, because it means that it's harder for your side hustle has to grow so much bigger to replace. Yeah, no, I was on a good salary, and I actually quite liked the place that I was working. It yeah, was like, yeah, it was a small startup. It's a reasonably interesting product, but yeah. So in terms of Heather's thing, if you are feeling burnt out and it's affecting your motivation I would just put it down for a little bit take a bit of time away from it because yeah. the last thing you want to do in her situation is actually have it affect your day job which is paying your salary because mm, yeah. you're, de- oh, yeah, you're dependent on that money that's that's what you're paying your bills with Yeah. yeah. so you don't want it to, you don't want your side hustle to affect that job yeah. until it's at a point where you can get rid of the other job yeah perhaps perhaps step away from it and perhaps rethink it perhaps if you could have the side hustle but it doesn't burn you out you know or perhaps re-engineer it in a way that it's it works for you people sometimes tend to put a lot of pressure on themselves and they don't need to <laughs> yeah i think i think i suffer from this a lot is where especially people that are perfectionists yeah so they're really really hard on themselves unnecessarily and you, you, are you like that then yeah it can yeah. be yeah i think sometimes you you are overly hard on yourself sometimes you know sometimes just being good enough is is fine you know don't put yourself under more pressure than you have to absolutely okay this this question is quite a hard one i thought this one would challenge us a bit okay okay so i don't know if you've read it beforehand (laughs) see if you're trying to read it off the screen so this is from john so um, i really want to start a side hustle i can't i just can't think of any ideas for a business um i currently work in retail and i hate it so I want to start something to plan my future. What would you suggest? Do you know, I did read this actually before and I did think of one thing actually. Um, because I, I, it's hard to say, you know, what the specific retail is, you know, what, what they're selling. But I think this, if you have some retail experience, it, it bodes well if you want to do like an e-commerce site or perhaps if you want to sell physical products or something like that. 
Yeah, I know one thing that's very common. I mean, I've, I've never done one, so I'm not an expert on it. But you get people do like uh, drop shipping. Yeah, yeah. Where you, you sell a product, you have a Shopify page, and then you go on to websites like, is it AliExpress? It can be tricky because these things are often very so competitive, you know, and it's very they are. hard I mean, to I, be unique and different. Full caveat, I've got, I've got no experience in doing yeah, these, but I, but I know they're popular. Yeah, I think it would it would lend it perhaps to, um, perhaps you could just start looking at eBay or something. I know it's a bit low tech, you know, something like that initially, just to try an idea out or... Or perhaps eventually, you can, if you if you get developed, you can perhaps look at doing a Shopify site. There's or... um, I can't remember who the woman was. She was like a friend of my wife's aunt's friend, or it was someone that we'd never met before. Mm. And it was at um, I think it was a christening. Who was that? And we got talking to this woman, and she had this really interesting thing that she does. So she buys um, I need to say this carefully. She buys plus sized clothing for ladies. Okay, yeah. Yeah, large, large clothes for ladies and sells them on eBay. Um, so she buys them at these discount places really, really cheap and she sells them on eBay. I was like, oh, that's interesting. I said, like, well, do you get a lot of sales? She goes, absolutely loads. She goes, because a lot of people that might have weight issues who are a bit um, kind of intimidated by it or don't necessarily want to go out shopping for clothes. Yeah. They want a bit more privacy, so they might actually go t- and look on like eBay to buy it, yeah. for the clothes yeah. that they want. So that's what she did. She she goes to a lot of these like, sort of closing down warehouse sales and buys a load of stuff in bulk, cheap. And so she's got one it. room in her house which is literally just full of racks of clothes. Yeah. And then she sells them on eBay, which I thought was an interesting sort of. You know, it's taking something that's you know quite mass market like clothing, but she's sort of focused on a particular niche. Yeah. Which is, which is a key thing, you know, focusing on niches. I think is all niches. Uh, when you pronounce it is always better. Yeah, yeah. I think you've got to somehow have an angle where you're kind of your USP is that you, you know, you're, you're a particular expert knowledge in your niche or something like that, you know, so that, that often, it doesn't have to be, but I think that does help, doesn't it? Because otherwise, I think if you're just competing against everybody else in the world, it's very hard to differentiate your, what you're doing is any different to anybody else that could do the same as what you're doing, you know. Um, but it's, it's hard to say, isn't it? Um, I mean, he, he didn't actually specify which part of retail he hates. I mean, yeah. And he didn't say what kind of retail he was. I, I just mentally assumed working on a shop floor somewhere. Yeah, that's what I kind of uh, sort of thought. You know, and I can, I can relate to that because I've done that before and I hated it as well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, perhaps perhaps have a look at a few ideas. Um, sort of have, have a walk around, think of some ideas, you know, and um, perhaps look at, you know, if you have retail or sales experience, you know, how that could how could that could it might be a service you might be able to offer some kind of sales service or some kind of something like that it's hard to say isn't it really without knowing what their expertise is in you know yeah it was the question was a bit vague that's why i said it was a hard one to answer yeah but i'm thinking if if they've got experience of selling things perhaps like an e-commerce one or doing you know selling physical products if you just do loads of googling and looking on youtube and just looking for resources on setting up shopify stores yeah my, my I mean, some people have had like massive success with it because because yeah. the way it tends to work is that they'll advertise some products in some kind of niche somewhere, and then you'll order it from the Shopify site. And then there's plugins for Shopify. I apologize, I can't remember what they're called, but they hook into AliExpress in China. So as as they order the product, the order goes out to Ali. I think it's AliExpress. It's one of these like manufacturing sites. Yeah. Then they package up and then they they post out. They drop ship it, yeah. So you don't they hold the stock, so, 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 yeah. that, so yeah. they, they post it out directly to you. So you're not handling any um, any stock yourself. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, ideally, that I mean, ideally, you'd want to own the IP and 
you know, the intellectual. I mean, in the ideal world, you want to be in control of the product and do all of the process yourself. That's how you probably make maximum revenue. But I think if you're starting out, shopping, you know, drop shipping is, is, is a good option potentially mm. as well. Um, the other thing that, that is big is these, have you heard this where it's like uh, Amazon, like FBA and all that kind of stuff? You know, oh, fulfilled by Amazon. Yeah, yeah. You, people set up like stores where they market Amazon products, don't they? That's a bit like more that. risky because you have to buy inventory and then send it to Amazon. Do you? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah so. Yeah. Like the one I just described means that you know the the stuff is the order is sent directly to the place in China and they ship it out to you. Straight from the factory. Now the negative oh, okay. of that is you might have to wait two three weeks for your product to arrive. Ah, oh, okay. So yeah, the yeah. flip side to that is you might order as the business owner pens, for example. Mm. You, you might order you know a box of a thousand pens, but you can then have that delivered directly to Amazon, and it will sit in their warehouse and then you set up the product page. Which then means, obviously, if someone orders it from Amazon, it's you know Amazon Prime to you overnight. Yeah, but the but the risk is there is you're having to buy a lot of inventory up front. Yeah, it could be tricky. I mean, um, there might be some kind of services that you could offer as well, or like some kind of productized service, you know, where it's kind of a generic service that you could offer somebody where you know it's a, something quite straightforward. And it's hard to say, isn't it, really, without knowing their background. Yeah. But in in the absence of information, we'll say check out. And research setting up Shopify stores. Yeah, yeah. Have, have a look at that different options. Um, yeah, eBay and perhaps other options as well. You know. Actually, there was um, another guy I know. You know. I used to work at an online bank. And this is guy who used to buy. I'm going to be a bit vague because this was a long time ago. I think it was spare parts for BMX bikes or some kind of something to do with bikes. Okay. Yeah. He, he used to buy them in from the US and then sell them on eBay in the UK. Was it like his hobby? Was he in as well? It was a hobby, but he made an absolute fortune out of it. Yeah, but he was was he a BMXer himself? He, he knew the niche. Or... No, I mean at the time, I mean the guy was in his sixties. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, 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 I think he just he, he just found some. I'm trying to think, was he like yeah? He, he'd seen that you know you can buy this from the US, you can import it quite cheaply, and then sell it in the UK for like loads more money. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there might be things like I think you can look at opportunities, can't you, and find them if you do look around, you know. Cool, okay, let's move on to our show topic then. So I thought today we could talk a bit about motivation or self-motivation. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. There's a few aspects I thought we could talk about here. So I wrote an article a little while ago called Self-Motivation and the Locus of Control. So okay, I'll put yeah. a link in the show notes, but we can basically discuss the idea here. So there's kind of two areas we can cover. So one is we've got loads of general tips for improving motivation, stuff that I practice myself, okay, just yeah. to help you be more motivated. I want to talk about this thing here called the locus of control because it doesn't often get talked about or certainly not with its formal locus of control definition or, or term. So let's just define some terms. So motivation, so it's the ability to do what needs to be done without influence from other people or situations. So people with self-motivation can find a reason and strength to complete a task even when challenging without giving up or needing another to encourage them. Yeah, yeah. I should read that in one go. That's, yeah, that's quite, quite a statement, yeah. So, you know, Self-motivation is being able to complete something, even if it's not a particularly glamorous task, without having anyone else influence you. So you're motivated to just get on and get it done. Yeah, I think that's a, a key skill, isn't it, for somebody who wants to do their own side hustle. It's not like somebody's telling you to do that side hustle. You've got to be self-motivated. Mm. I think that's hopefully something our listeners probably have innately. <laughs> well, not innately, but you know, they, but if it's a skill they're going to learn, isn't so, yeah. it? Yeah. And there's a kind of a psychological thing hanging off the side of motivation called the locus of control. And this is defined as the capacity to which you believe you have complete control and power over what happens to you in your life. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds a bit vague. 
But in layman's terms, it means, do you think you have that much, if any, effect on what happens in your life? So it's kind of what you'd like to think so. <laughs> it's a bit depressing. You didn't have any control. So this, this, this term has come up with a psychologist called uh, Julian Rotter. Yeah. And basically, what it is, it's, it's kind of like a spectrum. So you've got on the left, you've got your internal locus of control, and then you've got your external locus of control on the right. Now, what the internal locus of control means that I have control over the consequences of my behavior. Yeah. And then external locus of control is the consequences of my behavior are outside of my control. Oh, what okay. this effectively comes down to is um, whether you worry about things that you can control or not. Okay. Yeah. So, a couple of examples that we can use. So, we're sitting here in the UK. We've got Brexit happening. This isn't <laughs> yeah. a, this isn't a Brexit debate, but I'm using it as a good example. <laughs> no, it's all kicking off today, isn't it? So, a lot of people are generally quite worried about it. Yeah. I was as well when it all happened. You know, you, you look at it and you think, ooh, ooh, "What's going on?" Oh yeah, yeah. But now, I, the way I think about it now is like, do I have any direct influence over what happens? No. Yeah. So am I, yeah. am I going to worry about it or am I just going to focus my efforts elsewhere? It's, no. it's kind of pointless to worry about it because it wouldn't. Make I, have, a I have no control yeah. over it. Yeah. yeah. And maybe a more relatable one is um, say you're doing some teamwork <clears throat> with a group of people. You've each got your assigned tasks. Yeah. Uh, one of the people in the team is basically not doing their work. They're procrastinating, they're not doing anything. Now, you're not a manager. So, what, what do you do in that situation? Do you worry about the fact that the project might suffer because that person's not doing their bit? it's not your job to tell them what to do because you're not their manager. Yeah. So some people might worry about that. For me personally, I wouldn't worry about it. I'd actually just focus on the thing that I can control, which is my own set of tasks. Which is, yeah, which is your part of the project. I mean, perhaps you could tell your manager to go grass on your colleague. So if you've got an internal locus of control, that means that you worry about the things that you actually have control over in your life. Okay, yeah, yeah. So if you're worried, so another example, so uh, credit card statement comes in, you've got to pay £300, you can either sit there worrying about it or, because it's within your control, you can just go and pay the thing and not worry about it. Yeah. Because you yeah. have control over it. Whereas an external locus of control, a bit like Brexit, you know, is it is it really worth you worrying about something which you have no direct influence over? Yeah, you're not going to, it doesn't make, whether you worry about it or not, it doesn't yeah. make any difference, yeah. Or if you're at a company and then you know you hear in the news that there's some scandal or something going on with your company, you know, do you sit there worrying about it? Is it anything you can actually control or have any influence over? If it's not, then it's probably not worth you investing your energy into it. You're probably better off investing your energy into something you can control. Can control, yeah. So the term locus control is like the official term for it, but the the general term is you know only worry about stuff which you actually can control or have any control over yeah sounds good advice and when you start to embrace it it's actually quite liberating because you know in a highly charged society these days with lots of you know work worries and money worries and you know just general being an adult causes quite a lot of anxiety these days but sometimes you can control that anxiety by just thinking to yourself do I actually have any direct control over what's going on here yeah yeah just just yeah it's a bit like being stoic isn't it I suppose it's just yeah um you know, not worrying about the things that you can't do anything about, isn't it? And just concentrate on the things that you can influence, you know. Mm. I remember having a discussion, I think, about, it was actually about Brexit, actually, to my accountant, and he's saying, oh, you know, I'm, I'm just going to concentrate on on my business. I'm not going to worry too much what's happening in the economy. I can't change yeah. that or have any influence on it, so I'm just going to concentrate on what I can, which is what I'm doing, you know. Which is what you can do, isn't it? So yeah. your, your business, you have direct control over it. It's, yeah. your, it's your business. Whereas... The state of the economy in six months or a year's time. Yeah, 
you have no control over. So I thought we'd start there. I thought that was a kind of... Yeah. That's that's a good technique for self-motivation. It's only worry about the crap which you can control. Yeah. And don't worry about the stuff that you can't. Okay, so some general tips. I practice pretty much all of these, I think. Okay. I... Although we've not actually discussed it before, and I'd, I'd kind of imagine you might be very similar. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. So first of all, start simple. So break complex, scary tasks down into much smaller chunks. You'll feel more motivated at small victories. Yeah, I think sometimes I, I, I struggle with this a little bit. If you have a task that's going to take, like, say, six months, you kind of become a de- demotivated because you just not. It's just an endless thing that you're never completing. It's like a mountain to climb. Yeah, I think it's nice to have, like, um, especially now we're looking at sort of developing new products, is having like definite sort of like we're going to do this in two weeks time you know breaking down into sort of like two week chunks of work rather than having just an ongoing project that's mm-hmm. going to take forever you know I think you do become demotivated if a task is too big you just don't end up motivated enough yeah. to do with it the, so. with the book I was doing I started off by just having one big word file and I was trying to write it all in one file yeah. and I got to a point where I was actually scared to open the file up it's too intimidating it was, it was getting yeah. too big it's too intimidating so I split the entire thing down so I had separate folders for each part of the book and then separate Word documents per chapter. And that's how yeah. I'm developing the book. But at that point, I'm only ever working on one chapter at a time. So at most, it's going to be five, 6,000 words in one yeah. document, you know, 10 to 15 pages. Yeah, I think it gets easier, doesn't it? If you do, if you break it down like that, I think it becomes... And also, if you feel like you've completed something, it's nice to feel psychologically that you've completed a, a chunk mm. of work rather than just it's an ongoing task that you're never finishing. I think it's something we're working out at the moment is how we can sort of structure our work and you know, so it's it's more organised and we're you know that's something we're working on at the moment. Do you use any kind of like development methodologies in your work? Do you use like Scrum or no? Or no, we don't. No, I'm looking at Basecamp's um, sort of system, but I'm, I'm sort of working through that at the moment. Um, so reading the book, so I can't say too much about it. But yeah, probably what we'll do is we'll have like um, we'll set sort of like goals for but generally not probably like six weeks in advance and then after the end of the six weeks we'll have time out to review and then do a, set another schedule for another six weeks and just keep yeah. going like that I think but I think if it was longer than six weeks I think you become demotivated because it becomes the project becomes too complex things change you just you know they end up taking longer going over schedule and you, yeah. everybody gets frustrated it's just annoying you know, I think you need to have some kind of feel that you've completed something if you've got to six weeks you haven't done anything it kind of feels Perhaps it was the wrong thing to be working on, you know. Yeah, and this is the thing that throws a lot of first-time pluralsight authors because producing a whole course it's quite intimidating when you've got mm. done one before. So one of the things we always suggest is you know decompose the problem right the way down. I mean, pluralsight already does quite a bit of that for you. So you've got a course, then you've got modules, then you've got clips. Mm. So each point you're decomposing the thing down to a small section. Yeah, break it down into parts of smaller so, work. Yeah. So you know you work module by module and you write and record and edit clip by clip and that just yeah. helps you break it down even if you do only one small bit in a day it's a tick in a box and it makes you feel like you're moving the needle yeah yeah okay so the next one uh keep good company and i've heard lots of people talking about this before and i agree with it but it might sound a bit harsh to some people so you become the sum of the people that you interact with yeah so if someone is draining you of your motivation you know, just have it's draining to be around someone yeah. and that kind of affects your motivation so you might want to seriously consider whether you want to associate yourselves or, with those people or, or perhaps or limit the time that you spend with them perhaps even you know it, it is tricky because sometimes it be, can become a bit like um, 
you know, to be successful, you have to sort of ditch all your old friends, and it's kind of you got obviously you want people that are going to challenge you as well. So sometimes you perhaps have to have a a blend of different perspectives. You know, sometimes that's helpful, but then sometimes you don't want to be with somebody that's constantly dragging you down. You know, so it's it's a balance, isn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, if you're quite career minded, you know, if you're focusing on your career or, or you know the side hustle, yeah. but then all your friends, the people that you hang around with the most, are just going to the pub every night and getting drunk, and then. Yeah, playing Xbox and just not actually doing anything. <laughs> yeah. If they're the only people you hang around with, you're naturally going to become a bit lazier because that's just that kind is, of the environment around you. That is you. true. I think you've got to seek out sort of people that share your values. And I think it was quite interesting watching um, the Bill Gates documentary, Bill's Brain. Okay. Um, and obviously his best mate's kind of Warren Buffett. And I think that's quite interesting that they kind yeah. of found each other as yeah, you know, best buds, you know. And it's probably because they want to hang around with people that similarly think like they do and similarly motivated, you know. So, and also, like, if you... It's the whole... Um, was it Napoleon Hill did the book, Think and Grow Rich, where it's yes. all about, like, hanging... You know, you're hanging around. If you want to be successful, you have to hang out with yeah. successful people, you know. Yeah. So I'm not saying you have to, like, ditch all of your friends forever and just <laughs> never speak to them again. But, you know, if you're trying to build something or you're trying to excel in your career or anything, then, you know... You might want to limit how much you know. You might see them once every two weeks or yeah, just once a month. But then try and associate a, yourself with successful people. Yeah, perhaps go to meetup groups and, and find people that you share interests with. You know, and you'll probably find that you push each other on. You know, you, they'll give you useful information. You'll give them useful information. You'll help each. I mean, I do a mastermind group, which is useful as well. And I do a few. That's like baptism of fire, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you know, do meetup <laughs> groups, but it, it's good actually. You know, I think there are other successful, motivated people that you want to hang around with. You know, that they're going to push you forward. With your career, you know. Yeah, so keep good company. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Is a quite an important one. Uh next one is seems like an obvious one, but lots get lots of sleep. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I'm not I'm I was not, about to say how's that working with your newborn baby? Uh no, it's not too bad. I think the baby sleeps fine. I think it's me. Me and actually newborn must must be nearly a year now. Yeah, he's he's gonna be a year in end of October, so yeah, it's getting it's getting I think it's ten months, is it now? Nine, mm. ten months. So yeah, he's not fair. He sleeps really well. It's just me. I don't sleep great, but you know, sometimes I sleep great, and other times I don't. I think it's I'm not. I'm getting not going to get too stressed about it now. I think sometimes you get too anxious about sleeping, and it makes you sleep worse. You know, so I think sometimes it's just to be relaxed about it a little bit. You know, it's a balance, isn't it? I think, but I think you do need good sleep. I think it does completely refresh your system, doesn't it? I think some people, some people kind of get away with like working crazy hours and not sleeping. I think you can get away with it for. A certain length of time, but I think eventually it catches up with you, doesn't it? Does you get older? I mean, when I was younger working in the games industry, I wouldn't think of anything. You know, I wouldn't think anything just staying about two or three days in yeah, the office, yeah. just working all around the clock. Could not do that now. No, I, th- I think that's it. I think you do. It does get harder. It catches up with you, doesn't it? I think at some point. Yeah, I'm like a I'm like a zombie about half ten. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, trying. I mean, people say don't aim, aim for like eight hours sleep, you know, or. So I don't know what, what your sleep's like. Is it good or bad? Or uh, I don't know. I go to bed about half ten. Get up about six. Yeah, that's probably yeah, probably similarish. Yeah, yeah. Unless I go away to a conference where I do actually get a lie in, which is quite nice. Yeah, it's quite interesting because <laughs> I, I always thought I was like um, a bit of a night owl, but apparently when I when my Fitbit said you're a, a morning lark because I get up at generally like six o'clock or half right. six or something like that, you know. Um, I used to be a night owl, and then wake up late, but. My wife, my, my, my wife has always been every day on the dot, six o'clock, 
and waking for, up uh, yeah, and, yeah and for yeah. the last like 16 years of marriage i've just kind of got trained to wake up and at say, six. yeah perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> i wonder if i wonder if you change as you as you get older i wonder if you become more like that you know um perhaps when you're younger you stay up later don't you? and then as you get older you don't do that you know so i don't know yeah it changes as, 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 as you get older so next one to increase self-motivation is to keep learning. So learning new skills helps keep you interested and highly motivated, but it does for me anyway. Yeah, no, for sure. Probably yeah. a bit biased because I work in training. But. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, but a lot of people say, oh, I haven't got time to you know, read books and watch courses and listen to podcasts. But really, it's if you used to do half an hour of reading a professional development book a day, that quickly adds up over the space oh, of a week yeah, and a month. Yeah, yeah, you can read lots of stuff. For me, I generally listen to podcasts when I'm commuting or going for a walk. Yeah, yeah, I tend to sometimes when I'm working, I'm doing a bit of like low intensity work that doesn't grab much brain power. I like to listen to podcasts, mm. you know. Um, so, yeah, no, I, 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 do, I don't know. I, I think it does keep you fresh, doesn't it? I think, you know, if you. But also, I think just like learning stuff in a completely like different area than what you'd normally tread is quite motivating as well. Yeah, I think it can be. Yeah, sometimes you you tend to be drawn to things that are just different, aren't they? Mm. New ideas and things are different from what you do normally. So yeah. Uh, so next one. So don't quit uh, whenever you have a small setback. So it can be very easy just to think, oh, something's gone wrong. Sod it. I'm going to quit and give up. But actually, having things go wrong is a good thing in a way, sort of, because it gives you something to learn from. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah, if your business not, goes bust, that's obviously that's not. I good. mean, obviously, there's yeah, there's it depends sort of scenarios with that, but yeah, sometimes, sometimes, yeah, you know, if it's if it's something that's never going to work and you just bang your head against a brick wall forever, it's 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 sometimes good to quit, but I think sometimes you can't just let a, a small setback hold you back. You've just got to drive through it, haven't you? Sometimes. Yeah, I, mean, I think you know, quit, don't quit, but also be prepared to take breaks and step away from stuff as well. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps know when it's time for a break, and then come back refreshed and and sort of get over that hurdle. You know, push through. You know, sometimes. But then on the flip side of that, just to completely contradict myself, sometimes you you will work on something and it's not going so well, and actually the best thing to do is to just cancel that project. Or yeah, yeah. I think I think it depends, doesn't it? Really. Um, I think if it's if it's something you know you don't want to, it's no one to quit, isn't it? It's, it's a skill, isn't it? Knowing. If it's something that's never going to work and it's not going to, you know, you've just got to know when to quit. But other times you've just got to push through, haven't you? Uh, next one's a bit airy-fairy, but I think it's, it makes sense. So think big and then work backwards. So try and visualise what your end goal is going to be. Yeah, I thought that was a Donald Trump quote then or something. Didn't he have one about... Um... The reason why he's successful is because he thinks big and everybody else thinks small. Oh my <laughs> God, I hope I haven't just quoted <laughs> Trump. That'd be bad. <laughs> uh, it's fine now. Uh, this is kind of different, isn't it? Because it's a saying, you know, um, start with a dream and then, you know, how can you make that reality? Is that, is that what you mean then? And sort of work from... Yeah, that. so use the example of the book because that's, that's kind of the one I'm immersed in at the minute. You know, I, I kind of visualise in my mind what it's going to look like at the end. You know, I can, I can kind of visualise this kind of 400-page paperback book with a really nice cover... Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah flick, flicking working. through it, the smell of the pages—that's that's kind of my goal. You know, when I've got that first the first copy of the book in yeah. my hand, I can flick through it. And that's quite a skill, though, isn't it? You sort see of it like... it. and then I've kind of worked back from that. So, well, I can visualise this finished book. I know I roughly want that to be about end of March next year, yeah, two thousand and twenty. Yeah. What do I need to do to make that happen? That's quite a skill, though, isn't it? To imagine what something's going to look like in yeah. the future, isn't it? And then work. Whereas work I think a lot that. of people's mental 
model is to sort of think, you know, I want to build this product, so I'm going to start at the beginning and then I'm just going to keep on iterating and then just kind of like blindly waddle towards this final thing, which I have no idea what it's actually going to be. Yeah. Whereas I'm saying turn it around and actually think about the final solution or the final product and then kind of work your way back from that and think, well, what do I need to do? So it's a book. I say, how, how can I decompose that book down further? Well, it's split into so many sections. Okay, how many sections? Three. Yeah, yeah, work. Well, it's going to be several chapters in that. So I need to work out how I'm going to schedule time for working on each chapter in each part. And from that, I could actually sort of work the entire thing backwards. Okay, yeah, yeah. But then because I've worked it backwards, it then you you kind of inadvertently end up with a load of mini milestones. You think it's more a more structured way of working rather than just blindly just yeah writing you know a word document from scratch you know without thinking what what that's going to be when you're finished you know or... yeah I mean yeah I started out with a book outline so I know exactly what the parts are. I mean I've refactored it a few times and rescoped it and several times but you know I kind of I know pretty well what the end result's going to be I'm just now working out the steps I need to get there mm, yeah yeah but because of that you end up with like a, a series of small goals which you can then kind of work to and knock them off kind of easier yeah it's quite satisfying isn't it you know when you if you have like a series of goals rather than just working blindly without any kind of structure you know I think that's it breaks it down then doesn't it which kind of leads into the next one I've got here which is make sure you set goals measurable goals yeah 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 I think, I think which will be interesting because I definitely would discuss this but remember in January we did a an episode on goal setting where we both declared up front what our goals what for 2019 were, were going to be. I can't even remember what they were. We'll have to have a look. We'll have to go re- guess revisit what, Guess, guess what we're doing in January's episode. Oh, no, yeah, revisiting our own. Yeah, oh, and yeah. so we, we met what we said we were going to. To be honest, it's probably a load on there, which I haven't hit, so I wouldn't worry <laughs> yeah, about we'll, it too much. We'll go, we'll go back <laughs> and have a look. But yeah, I mean, setting measurable goals that are achievable, I think, is one way of sort of motivating yourself. Because if you've got five goals for you know the next quarter and then you can you know you've got them up on a whiteboard or on a trello board somewhere and you can actually physically you know take the strike strike them off if you have that sense that you're moving the needle in the right and you're heading in the right direction that's kind of motivating yeah i think it is yeah perhaps it's 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 a bit like that you know you said about thinking big you know probably they might be your big goals for the year and then it's almost subconsciously you start aiming towards those because you've written them down it's kind of a weird thing isn't it by Mm. writing you're almost making it happen aren't you You yeah Exactly. Because you can get a lot of people that do, you know, absolutely, you know, bucket loads of work, 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 but it doesn't actually feel like they're getting anywhere. Yeah. That's because not structured in any way, you know. Or yeah, like so you feel like you're just literally down. treading water but not going anywhere. I think that, that could be demotivating, couldn't it? I think definitely. Oh, absolutely, yeah. If you're not achieving anything but you yeah. feel like you're working yourself to the bone, then that's, yeah, that's, yeah, not, that's, that's not motivating that's, at all. No, that's not nice. Uh, so... Another one then, so if you're doing a side hustle whilst working for someone else, and, and I've done this before, using a bad day at the office as an excuse for motivation. Now, this sounds a bit weird, but, yeah. but sometimes... It's like, reverse if, psychology or something. Yeah, it is exactly that. So if, you're, if you've got a side hustle which you're working on, but you know you might quite like your job, if you have a really, really bad day at the office, like I say, it all goes horribly wrong, deployment failure or just something. Yeah. If you actually sort of, instead of just like brooding and getting angry about that, if you actually channel that into your side hustle and think, I've had a really bad day, I really need to now focus on my side thing and get this going, that sometimes gives you a bit of a get, bit of a boost and you make a, quite a lot of progress in a short space of time. But yeah, perhaps, perhaps you've had a frustrating day in the office, you can think, you know, how can I, perhaps, perhaps it inspires you to go and work on your side hustle, you know, 
it's, I think it's hard how many, like a lot of a lot of businesses have been founded by people who've got like a point to prove. Hmm. You know, they might have had like a teacher that was dismissive of them as a child and then they've gone out, I'm going to prove this teacher wrong. And then so there's apparently loads of big businesses. If you look at the strange psychology of why these businesses yeah. exist, it's sort of things completely nonsensical when you think about Pro- proving it. Proving someone wrong. But yeah, this this is this sort of important psychology, isn't it? And there's not, that's not a bad thing sometimes, you know. So sometimes if you have a really terrible day, it's sometimes good to think oh, I could channel that into doing my own thing because I've been, say if somebody's been, your boss has been horrible to that day, I might think I'm fed up with that, I'll just go and do something I want to do, you know, you know, and channel your energy into that. Yeah, I mean, when I started doing the courses, I was working for a healthcare company at the time and there was a senior vice president person there who I was constantly having run-ins with. Because oh, okay. we, we didn't, I mean, I was brought in to turn around this team and my approach to doing it was vastly different to how they wanted to do it. Yeah. But we discussed it in the interview of what I was going to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. More about agile ways of working, continuous delivery pipelines and all that sort of stuff, which is what I started setting up. But they thought I was giving the, the team too much freedom in how they worked. They, uh, they, okay. they, they were very, very command and control. You have to be, you have to sit on your team, tell them what to do. That was their approach. Mm. So I'd have constant run-ins with this person. So I'd constantly go home at the end of the day in a really bad mood because I'd had a, yeah, yeah. Had a private but fairly fierce argument with this person. Perhaps you say it might it, that might it's it's things like that that probably motivated you to be successful with your side hustle, you know, with your side hustle. It certainly made me work harder to get the courses out quickly. Yeah, yeah, perhaps you think I want to leave this unpleasant job, you mm. know, to, and do my own thing. It probably made it a lot more appealing. So it's, it's odd, isn't it? How these strange motivations can really push you on, you know. Yeah, sort absolutely. Of use use them as fuel, don't you? Really. Yeah, using it as fuel. What do you think of fuel that? Fuel for your, yeah. your, you know, your business. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's a few. Simple ways to increase your self-motivation. So start simple, break down complex tasks. Keep good company. You know, if you hang around with people that are wasters, then you're going to, you know, not excel as much. Uh, get lots of sleep. Keep learning and fueling your brain with new information. Don't quit. When you have a, a small setback, use it as a learning exercise to do better. Mm-hmm. Dream big and then work backwards. I really hope that isn't a Donald Trump quote. Oh, no, isn't it? It's just like thinking big or something like that. That's the reason why it's successful because yeah, everybody else thinks small or something like that. Okay. Thinks big. Uh, setting measurable goals and milestones okay. as a way of, you know, giving yourself a mini plan. And use a bad day at the office as a way of, you know, increasing your motivation on your side hustle. Yeah. And oh, one more down the bottom of the page, which we missed. So make sure you schedule lots of personal time. So time with family, friends, or alone. But you know, time to unwind. Yeah, I think you need to give yourself space, don't you, sometimes to just sort of let things, let ideas gestate a little bit, you know. I, I do a lot or of walking. So not to get burnt out, you know. I live in a very hilly town, so several times a week I go out for a big long walk. Yeah, I think walking is fantastic. There was, um, I think I mentioned it previously about the, the Bill Gates um, thing, you know, he, he, he was a big walker, you know, I think he, he really, I think it's, there's something in it, it was in that book uh, that I recommended, you know, the. Was it something about work? What was it called now? The one about working. The joy of the joy of work. Joy of work. Yeah. yeah. And there's a bit in there about like how walking actually helps you come up with better ideas. Mm. So the process of walking and thinking it it somehow I don't know how I don't know the, the sort of physiology behind it, but it does actually help. I, so I, I, think, it, I, I love it. I, I love think a lot of people come up with their best ideas whilst they're walking. I'm trying to implement doing a little bit of walking in the afternoon just to break mm. up the day have a bit of a break, you know, have a think about something, you know, or not actively think about it, but you kind of are, aren't you, as you walk, yeah. you know. 
Cool. Okay, let's do our recommendations. I think you've already mentioned yeah, your first one, yeah. so I'll let you go first. Yeah, Inside Bill's Brain, and this is this is Bill Gates, and it's a, a Netflix documentary. I think it's three three parts, isn't it? Have you watched this? Have you seen I have, it? and as I sent you earlier, I was actually going to recommend it myself. Oh, no, but you, beat, beat, you, beat, you beat me to it on the I show notes. So annoyingly, I got there first. Um, but yeah, no, it is good, actually. Um, and I think it sort of explains, his, I like the idea of Peter's is like Think Weeks, where he just goes to a cabin with a load of books. Yeah, so if anyone's not heard of it, it's, as you said, it's, it's a free part documentary that's just come out on Netflix and it's probably about 15% of it is biographical history of Microsoft that's, yeah. that's not the focus of it but the vast majority is about kind of the work he does uh, with his wife the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation yeah yeah so it's partly talking about you know what they're trying to do with curing polio is it sanitation sanitation yeah not toilet better toilets and uh, yeah. improving nuclear power I think the three main yeah. bits they focused on it kind of looks at his working process about how he consumes information. Oh, uh, yeah, reads a crazy amount of books, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite, really it's insightful. Quite... But yeah, you're saying he, he does this idea of like a think week where he'll just go away in a very nice cabin by himself for a week. No technology, just a massive bag for the books. Yeah, and just think through ideas. It's nice to look luxury, isn't it? I, think I was a bit jealous when it shows his personal library in his house. Oh, yeah, it's phenomenal, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. One thing I wasn't going to show to, I thought he'd have a, like a Kindle or something. But it's all like paper books, isn't it? It's all. Yeah, I mean, I noticed that all of the laptops he's using were all sort of Microsoft's own Surface products, <laughs> so he's, <laughs> probably, he's probably not allowed to use any of the competitors. No, no, fair enough. But um, is, is, is he still involved with Microsoft, or is he just like a silent board member? Not quite sure what he's involved with. Yeah, he must be. Um, yeah, he must be involved. I don't know what if he's retired or he's probably still on the board, isn't he? I would have thought. Yeah, I don't think he's so so probably a major shareholder, isn't it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so he's definitely he's definitely skin in the game. But um, he hasn't got to worry, has he? Yeah, yeah. But no, it's it's just interesting his thought process. You know, like taking away little ideas that you, obviously I know he's, he's on a different level to what we're at. You know, and I know it his isn't necessarily. But and plus, I wouldn't want his life. It sounds a bit full on, doesn't it? Really, you know. Kind of, he must have worked crazy hours to get Microsoft off the ground, and but I mean, he probably loved it, so it probably wasn't a big. What deal I like, without, without giving too many spoilers, is um. You know, there's there's an interview of his wife on there, and she was saying that you know he's obviously got a very brilliant brain. He retains information, but he always looks at things from a technical point of view. Yeah, because that's kind of what he knows. Isn't mm. that that's his hammer? He's a technologist, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, she says you know te- technology and that way of thinking is my hammer, so everything's a nail. Whereas her involvement is more thinking about the kind of the human side. So there's one bit. So I don't want to give too much away. They're, they're trying to design this new toilet to get rid of. Um, um, sort of bad sanitation problems in sort of third world yeah, countries. Yeah. So they've got this brilliant technical design which has been invented, but she sort of comes in and says, well, actually, you know, if, if you do it this way, then mums with a baby in their arms can't necessarily use it. Yeah. So she's so how, how it feels as a, as a person, you know. So she brings like it. this, she brings up this kind of like human angle to his kind of like, you know, mad ideas. Yeah. Which, yeah, which I thought was really nice. Yeah. And I really like the bit where he's there. Uh, He's sitting there playing chess with Warren Buffett. Yeah, kind of, that, that image of like two guys playing chess in a park is what it reminded me of. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of yeah, it's kind of they're gonna have like they're eating like burgers, aren't they? And just like an ordinary burger joint. It's kind yeah. of thinking like, how wealthy are they, you know? But they're they're sat there just eating burgers. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting, isn't it? It's odd that they're friends as well. It's it's like we mentioned about finding friends that you know that can help your networking with successful you know other mm. successful people and that's an example of two people that are both very successful that are imagine how intimidating it would be to be sitting in a room with Warren Buffett and Bill Gates yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, bet it, I bet they you think how much 
you know, how much information they must be able to retain and how much information they've read in terms of books and stuff between them, you know, it must be phenomenal. Well, I think that um, apparently, I mean, I've read before that uh, Warren Buffett is a, is exactly the same as Bill Gates. He spends the majority of his time reading yeah, and yeah, just consuming yeah. information. Yeah, I think that's something he said to him, or oh, what do you do? I think he basically spends all day just reading, you mm. know, uh, whether that be, you know, like, buzz a few, song, buzz a few or, shares here and there. Yeah. <laughs> That's part of it, though, isn't it? It's, and probably able to retain that information as well. I think that's the thing about Bill Gates. He could read so much and he could retain so much of it. Yeah. But um, I really recommend, if anyone's watching, has, has Netflix, or it's, it's even worth signing up to Netflix and going on the free trial just to watch this documentary, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's because worth it. if you're thinking of starting a business, it gives you a really good insight into how someone who's successful like Bill Gates, how his mind works. Mm. So it's it's not about the history of Microsoft. Though. They talk about a few bits of that. Yeah, in some ways he's quite a flawed character, but yeah, it is it is interesting um, to read it. There was the bit, do the bit where he sort of like he struggled with is when there was sort of the legal action against Microsoft, and I think he came across as quite arrogant. Yes, yeah. in, in interviews, and I think that's and he said, well, that was you imagine somebody who's quite young who's you know making billions and then managing big teams from a very young age. They kind of. Become, it's going to affect you, isn't it? Yeah, affect your psyche. So I think he, he said that he, he came across in certain parts as quite arrogant, and so perhaps you know with hindsight he would have done that differently. Well, you know? I mean, he probably managed it better than some of these like rock stars who suddenly make a lot of money at a really young <laughs> yeah, age yeah. and then, then just go yeah, completely off the not, rails. Not, not completely terrible, but yeah, I think you do get influenced, don't you, by by things like that. So it's just interesting, though. It's interesting to see how he thought and his thought process. Just some of the things, perhaps we could take away some of some mm. of the more palatable bits of how he lives his life, you know, and his thought processes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, highly recommend it. Uh, so my recommendation is actually a little hardware device. Um, so I was thinking ahead, you know, we say about visualising the end goal and then <laughs> yeah, work backwards. Yeah, yeah. So once I've written the book and got it out and done all the marketing and it's kind of selling on Amazon, etc. Part of my marketing plan is to go out and basically do kind of like a book tour. Although that sounds a bit more grandiose than what it actually is. It's, it's going to user groups, doing talks about some of the subjects in the book. Yeah. But I also want to have the ability to be able to sell copies when I'm there as well. That's okay, kind of a common yeah. thing. You, yeah. you take, take like a box of paperbacks with you and sort of sell it cheaper than what you can buy it on, say, on Amazon. So at one point I was thinking, well, I need to figure out how I can set up a merchant account so I can take payments, which yeah. is an absolute pain in the backside to do if you go through one of the large banks yeah it's a, it's a pain but I was, I was at a food fair with my wife a few weeks ago and there was this little stand there they sell like um, they, they call it moonshine <clears throat> well it's not moonshine as we as you might think <laughs> but it, they're basically they're like a boutique um, alcohol company okay, yeah, yeah. and I saw this thing I thought oh, I'll buy a bottle of that it was like a smoked apple moonshine they called it okay yeah yeah so I went to pay for it and this woman pulled out this little device and I paid for it contactless and I, I sort of said to her I said been the complete nerd that I am. Yeah, <laughs> said to this poor is. woman, I was like, I've not seen one of those devices before. What is it? She goes, Oh, it's, it's called an iZettle card terminal. She says, it's, it's really easy to use and really easy to set up. I was like, Oh, okay. So, Googled it when I got home. And it's a company that's actually run by, well, it's part of PayPal, which is interesting. And it says iZettle, so I Z E T T L E dot com. Yeah. And it's this little pin terminal that you can buy. Um, it doesn't cost a lot of money, so the first one costs like thirty pounds. Yeah. And um, what it is, you set up the account with them, and then you you pair the device with your phone, just a Bluetooth device. So you use your your phone to like type in how much you want to charge someone. Okay. It comes up on the terminal, and then they can use their card, either contactless or sticking it in the bottom, or use Apple Pay or things like that. Okay. Yeah. The money goes into your iZettle account, 
obviously they take a small percentage yeah. transaction fee as is normal with most car processors and then they just disperse the money into your business bank account every few days I like it yeah and I thought that's really good because it's really easy to set up and I've got one now I don't actually need it till next year but I've kind of got impatient and just bought it mm. so you don't need to go through this whole rigmarole of setting up a merchant account with your yeah, bank yeah I remember doing that back in the day when, when I did one of my first sort of products yeah. Yeah. and their pin terminals are like really really expensive whereas this thing cost me like 30 pounds it just means i can keep it in my bag so when i do go out to these user groups and i take books with me if anyone wants to buy one and they want to pay by card i can just pull this thing out switch it on yeah and go beep and it's done it just does it yeah which i thought was quite nice so if you're running a side hustle and you're doing a physical product yeah and you're, and you're, and you're going to like you know a craft sale or you know or you're going to a show to sell it you could try try iZettle, yeah. It looks yeah. a good device. I mean, it, it's I don't sell physical products, so it's not something I need. But it does remind me of we use like Stripe to take payments, and they we don't have a merchant account. What Stripe do is they sort of you don't get the money straight away; they hold on to it for so long, mm. and then they send it through to you. you know, so I assume it's a similar sort is of. Is that process, in case there's any like chargebacks or refunds? Yeah, or yeah, it covers like that. for that, doesn't it? But this I assume that's a similar sort of process, isn't it, with iZettle? So yeah, well, I think the money gets dispersed to you every few days. Yeah, um, I'm not actually sure what would happen to read the documentation so if they disperse the money to you but then someone does a refund request i'm not quite sure how that would work probably involve you losing out <laughs> oh yeah pay yeah. a fee probably it, rather it, than things invariably yeah. do but they do some interesting products as well so they do like a whole point of sale app for the ipad where you can set up you know if you're in a shop you can set up like loads of products and product groups and they've got a version for restaurants as well so you can do like an entire point of sale system really easily using things that you already own, like iPads, and it's been terminal that all works together. So yeah. it gives you an easy way to set up a very cost-effective till, effectively. Ah, cool, yeah. Or point of sale system. So I thought it was quite cool. You know, I'm going to make use of it when I go around doing talks based off the book. You know, I'll have mm. a way of taking payments yeah, should sounds, I need to. Sounds so. good. Great. So with that, I think we're, we're done for another episode. Yeah, another episode done. Uh, so we shall see you all soon. Okay, see you then. Bye. Bye. <laughs>